insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Scott Howell, and you're listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services. I am joined today by my incomparable co-host and great American, Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you today? Man, I'm doing the best. Thank you for asking. Uh, I think before we get started, let's do a little housekeeping here. Guys, if you love our podcast, please comment on it. Tell us how wonderful we are or how horrible we are, either one. I don't think Bradley and I are at the point in our career that we really care. But Here's my, my request. Either it's five stars or one. I love it. I hate That's it when great. people leave a review and like, hey... Everything was great. Four stars. Exactly. And Bradley, before we get started today on our topic, uh, let's tell everybody, I know you and I have worked our ass off on our, our, our new websites that we've designed. Guys, if, if you want to go see the website that if you're an insurance agent or in the insurance business, I've designed a site called the insuranceguyonline.com. I bought that URL years ago, back in the mid-2000s, and have just re- recently redesigned that to create more of a digital insurance center experience. Bradley, tell everybody about your new website you're coming out with. Uh, my office is in the town of Saraland, Alabama. It's a suburb of, of Mobile, Alabama. I bought the domain name Saraland Insurance because I could not believe it was available uh, about four years ago and literally just got a website thrown together um, I could really do it myself now, but you know that, a version of that website. But back then, I didn't know anything about that, and really haven't taken the whole website thing seriously. So here in the last couple of months, I've been working with a buddy of mine at Bluefish Design Studio that designs. Shout out, shout out to Bluefish. Shout out to Bluefish there. Designs beautiful websites, and they put me together a website, and we are actually going to go live. Uh, it's live now. I'm just not going to. Uh, well, I can tell everybody the uh, the domain because by the time this airs, it'll be live. It's uh, BradleyFlowersInsurance.com. It hurt my heart a little bit to get away from Sarah Land Insurance because I've had that for so long. But I think what we're going to do is uh, redirect back to my main website from SarahLandInsurance.com. And uh, the website's beautiful. It's just great. That's awesome. And I had well, nothing to do with the design of it. <laughs> Okay, well, that sounds perfect. I, I love it. And uh, guys, if you want to talk to us, if you want to connect with us, if you go to either one of those websites, you will be able to connect with us. You can call us. Had a client call uh, text me this morning, and I think I called him back in about 10 seconds, and he was like, wow, that's the quickest response to an insurance agent I've ever seen. But that's a great place to get a hold of us. You can send us an email. You can text us. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us, that's how you do it. So I have three cell phones, so yeah. Exactly. So, Bradley, let's talk a little bit about our topic of conversation today, and this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Today, we want to talk a little bit about your story. You, as an insurance agent, whether you're an associate agent, whether you're an agency owner, whether you're a CSR, I wanted to talk a little bit about your story 
and how that story can propel you to massive levels of success in the insurance business. Um, I will give you a quick story that's happened recently in my office. I had an ins- a young lady that was taking her insurance exam. She failed it the first time. She goes to take it again, and then after it's over with, begrudgingly calls me on the phone in tears, and she says, I failed it again by one point. And most people would say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you failed it again. I went the exact opposite direction. I said, oh my gosh, that's great. That is fantastic. That's the best news I've heard all day. Thank you. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, let me tell you something. You know, the story of the guy or girl that passes his insurance exam the first time with flying colors is not real compelling. But you know what is compelling? What is compelling is the story of somebody who fails it and fails it and fails it and fails it again and ends up passing the insurance exam and goes on to a super, super successful career in insurance. That is a compelling story and one that people want to hear. Because I'm going to tell you something. I talk to a lot of insurance agents. I talk to a lot of associate agents. I talk to a lot of CSRs that are that are that have their insurance license. And more often than not, I talk to people who tell me that, hey, I, I failed it. Failed it two times, three times, four times. And I really believe that those hardships and going through that and continuing to, to, to trudge on and study and learn and finally passing the test, I, I love that story. That is the that is the American way. That is the, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to stop, and I'm going to keep doing this. And I love that story. And I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today, about how your story as an insurance agent and all the trials and tribulations that you went through, not only to pass your license, but to get through all the people who told you you couldn't do it, all the people who who doubted you, all the people who said, oh, you're never going to be successful in that career. How can you use that motivation to light that fire under your ass to get out there and go do it and make it happen and prove these people wrong. And in my estimation, that may very well be the biggest motivating factor in a lot of people's success in the insurance business. Bradley, what do you have to say to that? I agree 100%. I think some of the best, some of the most successful insurance salespeople I know did not pass the test their first time, which a lot of that's because a lot of people don't pass it their first time. Both tests, life and health and property and casualty, are designed for you to fail. Personally, I don't think you need to study to try to make 100. You need to study to try to pass. Right. You need you need to know how many you can miss because a lot of people get so enthralled in that test that they end up uh, losing their focus. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, Scott, that was the case for me. I failed my life and health the first time by one point mm-hmm. uh, one or one question. One point, one question, same thing. I passed it the second time. I failed my PNC the first time, and I passed it the second time. And in both cases, so I went to work originally with a company just selling life insurance, and then I left and and went to a company selling PNC and life insurance, and that's why I had to take the PNC. In both cases, I didn't have a job if I didn't pass it the second time. Woo. And so I, I've been been there, done that, and that's not to toot my own horn because I would never want to be in that situation again. Well, I, I'm I'm going to say this about myself: I don't have a compelling story 
related to the insurance exam. Okay. At some point I decided I had failed miserably in the construction business. I was basically ruined financially. I was, my, my marriage was, was, was literally falling apart because of our financial situation. And, you know, I, I think I said in the previous episode of the insurance guys podcast that throughout my whole life, from the time I was in high school, people had been kind of pushing me towards the insurance business. And I had always walked away from that and had always just kind of you know, blew that off and thought, nah, it's not sexy enough for me. It's not something I want to do. And I do remember thinking to myself before I went and took the study courses for both life and health and property and casualty, I remember thinking, I am going to burn the ships and I am going to study like I have never studied for anything in my entire life to pass these tests. And And I did pass them and I did really well on them. And I scored, you know, really high marks on both life and health and property and casualty. That's not where my motivation came from, from my story. My motivation came from so many people turning me down, telling me that they didn't have a place for me, telling me that I wasn't going to be successful in in a roundabout sort of way, not just coming out and saying it. But, you know, when you walk into a an agency office and you interview with, with a, with a principal agent. And at the end of the interview, they kind of give you the, well, you know, we'd love to hire you, but we just don't really have a spot for you here. And you don't even have your insurance license yet. Those kind of things for me are rocket fuel, mm-hmm. absolute rocket fuel. The, the, I, I will say there've been a couple of statements made by very successful insurance agents very successful. In fact, some of the most successful insurance agents in the history of exclusive agents that have been said about me uh, relative to my work ethic, relative to my ability to be successful. And I owe them 1000% of the credit because every single day that my feet hit the floor, I think about what they said about me and it is absolute rocket fuel. I, I, I eat it like it's a hamburger. I love it so much because every time somebody says something negative about me, it is literally like putting rocket fuel in my system. And I take that and I just absolutely love it because it just gives me more motivation every day to get up and get out there and get after it. And so I welcome those comments. I welcome it. I, I love it when other agents that are in the same company that I'm in say negative things about me, say things or, or treat me in a way that, that, uh, in fact, I ran into one couple of weeks ago at a grocery store just randomly on a random Saturday and they would barely speak to me. Uh, in fact, as they're talking to me, they're actually looking away, which is incredibly rude. And I just remember thinking that is just more rocket fuel to go in my system. And, and that's how that's how I treat it. And, and my story is a compelling one as to how I got in the business. But more compelling to me is just that motivation that I have when when things like that happen, when people say negative things about, you know, not thinking I'm going to be able to do this or that. I, to me, it's the, it's the greatest motivation I can yet well and i think a lot of it scott i get some of that too a lot of people are just skating by trying to write just enough business to get by and then and then you have these agents that not not saying we're those types some people might classify us as that 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 try to 
they're up here. They're they're thinking bigger. They're they're doing things that are for the long term and are trying to keep up with technology and that sort of thing. And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of haters, whether it be, you know, people on Facebook, other agents, or not necessarily just other agents, just people in general, they don't understand what you're doing. Right. And there's a little bit of insecurity tied into that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. You know, I, I think whether you're an exclusive agent or you're an independent, I think we probably see it a little bit more as an exclusive agent because because technically both Bradley and I are both exclusive agents. I think I'm, you know, I consider myself a little bit of a hybrid exclusive agent because I do sell a lot of different insurance from a lot of different companies. But technically, I guess we're still considered exclusive agents. And I think we probably see a little bit more of that than maybe an independent does that's just strictly out on their own and really doesn't have a lot of interaction with other independent agents as you come into contact um, with other agents you come into contact with other agents a lot yeah you do and you have to go to meetings and district meetings and this and that and and so and so yeah you're, you're seeing a lot more of that but guys at bottom line is this I, I really think to be successful in this business I think it really helps to have that compelling story and I think it helps to have overcome some adversity to get in it, whether it's failing the insurance exam five times or whether it's uh, coming from another business where you failed, and and this is kind of the last, this is kind of last of the Mohicans. But you've got to use that. That story needs to be the motivation. And and I'll tell you something else, and this is something else I wanted to touch on today, Bradley. I love the fact that my agency kind of has a compelling story. I love the fact that, you know, I think any great business, and you'll hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk a little bit about this if you follow Gary, any great business has a compelling story. And I love to tell our agency story and, I, and, I, and you know, how I got started and, and some of the trials and tribulations that some are almost comical and some are, you know, a little, little I guess you could say, uh, you know, sad maybe. But, you know, I, I, I love telling the agency story and I think any business – that is successful typically most of the time has a compelling story of how it got started and all the things that went into growing that business to a multi-million dollar company. Or if there's not a compelling story, you can find one. Right, absolutely. You know, it, not, it might not be something that you dwell on, but think about something that would be interesting to your clients. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking mm-hmm. to a, a friend of mine. This is a little bit off topic, but it's just kind of right on that same path. I've got a good friend of mine that's a hairstylist, and mm-hmm. she wants so bad to be uh, to be sort of the, the social media girl in, when it comes to hairstylists or the social media mm-hmm. uh, influencer. And every time I see her, she's like, well, I'm, I'm just struggling with what to post and this, that, and the other. And, and the other day, I was like, well, tell me about your, you know, this was Tuesday. So, well, tell me about your product. Tell me, you know. This, that, and the other. And she said, well, we have one product that we actually test the dyes on a donkey tail. (laughs) And I said, that's an awesome story. Yes. I said, here's what you should do. Find someone that has a donkey and go color the tail on a Facebook Live. Preface it with tell the story of, you know, why you do this, how you do I mean, go through the whole gamut and title the video a big ass or something like that. Right, and right, right. I mean, break, you're talking break I, the internet, break it, the internet. With that. Yeah. yeah. And, and she's like, I don't think I could do that. And she says, I don't think my audience is risque as yours. And I'm like, I sell insurance. Right. Like, you know, so, but, but it's all about finding that compelling story to tell. And 
I think sometimes that you might even have to go to outside sources. You know, like I might have to sit down if I'm struggling with with finding my story, sitting down with Scott Howell and saying, man, all right, this is how I got into the business. Tell the whole story. Well, I would maybe take this part right here and publicize that. Right. I think that people who have a compelling story or have major trials and tribulations that they overcame to to end up at the finish line. And what I mean by that is 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 to get to a point where they they finally look up and go, man, I, I made it. I did it. I did. I've done this. I'm I, hell. I'm doing it. Right. I, I guess the best comparison I can make is is kind of like kind of like a kid getting on their bicycle for the first time and taking the training wheels off and and how many times they have to fall down and 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 skin their knee before finally they they get up on the bike and they kind of get it exactly and and I think that's probably the best comparison I can give but and I think too it's it's the people who have. And I think this is where you're getting at with this is it's the people that have the hardest time in the beginning that end up being the most successful, not only right. because they know how to work, but they they, they don't stop. Right. You know, I had a conversation yesterday. Yesterday I had lunch with two uh, big uh, centers of influence here in Mobile, uh, one guy that is runs an advertising agency. And the other guy is uh, another big uh, real estate guy here in town. And the guy, the advertising agency was, was talking about a, a prospect he was interviewing or trying to pitch. And all he talked about was how this person who was very highly educated in terms of college degrees questioned everything he said, even though he was showing them results is what he's done for his clients. And the guy, the other person said, you know, I almost noticed, and he hires a lot of people. He said, I almost noticed that it's the folks that have the big degrees that know the least mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they think that once they get that degree, they stop working mm-hmm. or they, excuse me, not stop working, stop learning. Whereas right. a lot of times it's the people who didn't get their degree, but tried who keep learning. And and I think that sort of speaks to that. It's, it's, it's the harder it is for you, the beginning, the, 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 the better the reward. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, and I'll tell you something else too, in insurance business. And you and I touched on this yesterday, we were talking about some, some things related to the topic that we're on right now. You know, guys, we're talking a little bit about how does your story propel you to, uh, you know, great levels of success in the insurance business as an agent. You know, I, I really think that the harder time you have on the front end, the more time you, you put in the work, you know, I, I haven't divulged this yet on the podcast, but I swear to you, I think I could go into the Guinness Book of World's Records for the longest time any agent has ever been on a sales program in the history of the insurance business. So when I started in, in back in 2009, I believe it was nine, it was either eight or nine, I was with a Tika new market agent principal agent. I was an associate agent. We had just about got our insurance licenses at the same time. But as you know, Bradley, from having a fiance that's with State Farm, those Tika new market guys and girls, you know, they, they, they're under a microscope and they get looked at a lot closer than I've ever been looked at since I've been with Nationwide Insurance, which is the carrier that we primarily represent. And, you know, I remember us having a sales management person in our office on a weekly basis and they're always looking at numbers and wanting to know what you're doing and it was it was just a constant for about a year and a half or a little over that while I was there 
just this constant um, gauge of how well your agency was doing. And so I kind of felt like I was just as much on this sales plan as, as the, as the principal agent of that agency well, if he was. if you didn't make because, it, you didn't have a job. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I felt, I felt the pressure obviously because it rolls downhill and he was feeling the pressure of making sure we we're me- meeting our numbers. And a lot of that was tied into what uh, state farm was paying him. So, you know, it was imperative that we hit numbers. So then I leave State Farm and I come to Nationwide and I get on one sales program and and that was um, I believe it was called the RAE Replacement Agency Executive Program for 24 months. So at the end of that 24 months, then I go on another sales program called something else and I can't even remember the name of that one. That was for I believe 12 more months. So at one time I counted up and I had been on some form or fashion of some kind of sales plan for a total of, I believe it was four years, four freaking years of having to hit numbers. And if you did not hit those numbers, your ass was gone. And I actually have a document here that um, I was actually, I'm, I'm going to get it framed and I'll just read, I'll, I'll read you. This is called the Production Shortfall Program Action Plan. This letter is to confirm our discussion on 3611 of current deficiencies in your production plan result. You now have a shortfall in your minimum production requirements. This is a notice that you are being placed on administrative action plan for two reporting cycles a minimum of 60 days, failure to meet each of your minimum production requirements when the next report is published may result in the termination of your employment and the cancellation of your agency agreement. Now that's getting framed. You can bet on that. But again, it's rocket fuel. It's, um, it's rocket fuel for me on a daily basis. I look at this on a daily basis and, and I went through four freaking years of that kind of stuff where if you weren't hitting it as hard as you could every single day, because you and I both know that when you're on these, these agency programs, there is not time to take off for two or three weeks or, Hey, I'm just having a bad month. So I'm just going to come hit it again next month. Th- th- then you're, then you really are screwed. So, so you just have to hit it for so hard for so long that um that you're hitting all these numbers that you have to hit and if you don't hit them you're going and finding another job for me i think it was it was good and i almost became institutionalized and i think in one way it helped me because i did it for so freaking long that when all of it was over and the smoke cleared i was still in that mindset and i think i'm still in that mindset today that's what i was about to say scott so don't you think that probably helped you launch your business Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you this, when you're in an associate agent position, a CSR position, if you're in a, in a, in a non-production or maybe you're just an associate agent, but you've never had to go through something like that, where it's all on the line when, when it's all on the line, I think it hurts from a sense of urgency standpoint, because you've never had a situation as an associate agent in a, let's say an independent shop somewhere where your principal agent walks in and goes, Hey, by the way, if you don't sell 30 policies this month, you're getting fired and there are no excuses. Mm -hmm. By golly, I'll tell you this, when that happens, 
that you 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 gain a whole new perspective on what it's like to really get up in the morning and get after it to go sell some insurance. Right, and it and I I can can relate to that when I worked the first company I worked at was a life insurance company hundred hundred percent commission. When I say hundred percent commission, there were no draws. It was you did not get paid unless you sold something, and. Right. I would never go back to that. I think I would be mm-hmm. very successful in that format if I went back to that. Mm-hmm. But I would never want to go back. But at the same time, I'm so glad I did that for a year. Because now, whenever I get into a bond or whenever I get into a spot to where I need some more production or you know, revenue's down, production's down, numbers are down, I just put my blinders on and pretend like I'm working there again. And hey, I'm Absolutely. not going to get paid unless I go sell something. And just have it, just remembering that feeling and what mm-hmm. I did to, you know, you know, put your head down and work. And it's really hard. You know, I have people will call me for, for advice, especially life insurance sometimes and say, man, I need, I need this production. I need this. And it's really hard to describe some, you know, what's everybody's looking for a silver bullet and there is no silver bullet. Everybody wants me right. to say, well, here's what you do. You pull this list and you call this person and you say this. Okay. And it works right. every time. And I might have one technique that works that way, and mm-hmm. and, and I do. But um, but other than that, it's not. It's just just put your head down and work. And and one thing that I think that I am really sharp at is uh, because of that experience combined with some of the the training that I've done with Grant Cardone is I'm really good at identifying low hanging fruit that most people don't see. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, that comes from those early, early days where I was commissioned only for life insurance, which could you describe a more difficult situation? I mean, no. most agents make two or three life insurance sales a month, and you're telling me that's what I have to do. I have to do two or three a day. That that really helped me, helped me to, to understand that feeling of, okay, all right, I've got to get something on the books today. Right. And, and, you know, one thing I think, too, that – that a lot of people miss when they are in those situations where their manager comes in and says, hey, you have to do uh, 30 apps this month. One thing that that, that company did is, so I'm doing, I'm doing quick math here. Um, we had to do $4,320 in annual life insurance premium a month, uh, which for some companies, that's a lot. Some companies, that's not a lot. I can tell you with the products we were selling and the area we were selling it, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they told us. So I hired on with this company, knew I was selling insurance. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything right. else. Matter of fact, the very first day on the job, I looked at the sales manager and said, so what's a full life policy? And he looked at me and said, you mean whole life? That's how much I knew. And I had a temporary license, so I hadn't taken any tests or studying or anything like that. I didn't know we had to do 4320 All I knew was is we had to do $90 in monthly premium a week. So 43 4320 divided by 12 divided by 4 is $90 in monthly premiums a week. That sounds a lot more attainable than $4,320. So a lot of times when I think people get in these situations where they got all this pressure on them, they focus on the big picture, like, i got to do five grand this month. No, you don't have to do five grand this month. Break it down by the day. You know, right. If your manager says, hey, you got to do 30 pieces of 30 apps this month or, or you're done, that's just one a day, man. And I'm about to piss off a lot of insurance executives right now because I think a lot of companies out there maybe have managerial type roles that upper management has that that maybe hasn't hasn't been in the position that you and I have been in 
relative to these sales programs. But if, if you're out there and you are an upper level executive with a major insurance company, I beg you, I beg you to pick up the phone, call me on my cell phone and let me help you design a plan for your company. I don't give a damn what company it is. But I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, been to the rodeo and seen the clowns. And guys, I'm here to tell you right now, if you are with if you are in a manager with a major insurance carrier and you're designing these sales plans and this can go for life insurance, it can go for property and casualty, uh, personal lines, commercial. I don't care if you're designing these plans where production numbers have to be met on a 30-day cycle or 60-day cycle, if you're not extremely careful, what ends up happening are the people that are on these plans start feeling the pressure. You heard me read what I just read a few minutes ago. And if you're not careful, what ends up happening are the people that you now have on these plans are what writing not very good business in some cases because they know they have to they have to to reach these goals and, and there is a much better way to do that I think it's more of a mentor relationship than it is just saying well you got to have 30 policies a month for X number of months and, and if you'll do it the right way from a company perspective I think it would be much more advantageous for the company to get more good business in the door rather than just throwing numbers out at people and, and making them hit those numbers or they go do something else. Because I'm telling you, a lot of what gets written on months where somebody maybe isn't having a great month ends up being not very good business that the company may actually not want on the books. That's because right. you start That's feeling right. you start feeling that pressure, man. You start feeling that pressure. I got to write something. Hell, I write anything. And I don't it, care. Yeah, you know? and, and I think and I think most good managers, and I'm very lucky to uh, be very close friends with with some really good managers within and and outside of my organization, and understand that if an agent, you know, I I, I know of an agent right now that's struggling numbers wise, but is only writing good business and is only doing sales presentations. Uh, doing need-based selling. Well, need-based selling is going to be a longer sales cycle. Right. You know, I can see them being way more patient with someone like that. I think a good manager will be more patient with someone that, A, they see potential in, but also, B, is trying to do things the right way. This is not tooting my own horn, but that's what I tried to do in the beginning. Um, I think I could have done a better job of it, but it was like, you know, hey, I'm going to take an advisor standpoint with my clients. I'm not going to be a churn and burn. And, mm -hmm. and and I can see the benefits to both, you know. Mm -hmm. um, right. I mean, if, if somebody's out there pumping out uh, 300, 400, 500 apps a month and 200 of them are falling off, that's still 300 apps versus the guy who's doing it the right way doing 100. So, I mean, I can see the the how one manager would favor one and one would favor the other, but absolutely agree 100% with what you're saying, Scott. I know that the, the way to do it is to create some type of mentor-mentee relationship with existing successful agents that write good business, identify those guys, especially in girls that are on that more of an, I'm talking more of an exclusive agency relationship here, but identify the people who are writing good business, who have a low loss ratio on both personal lines and commercial or life insurance or, you know, however they do that and, and partner 
you know, put people with those people for a certain period of time and, and, and supplement, maybe, maybe supplement that mentor agencies for, for, for doing the training and getting that person where they need to be. And then put the, the, the mentee, the, the person that they're training in an area after the fact that, you know, that do, doesn't conflict with each other. In other words, don't, don't put the person that's being trained right down the street from the other person where there's more of a competitive type situation there, but allow them to have a year or six months or two years or whatever the number is to train under somebody that knows how to do it the right way. And instead of judging it on, you know, they've sold, you know, 30 policies this month, lean on that principal agent to, to let you know as a manager, hey, this guy's doing a great job. Or, you know, he's doing a good job or she's doing a good job, but here's where they've got some deficiencies that they need to help help with. Instead of just, hey, you got to, here, here it is, sink or swim, and you got to sell 30 policies a month because I can tell you what ends up happening in those situations uh, is that, that that business that you normally maybe wouldn't write sometimes does get written and it's not it's not good for the company. So I I, I do think there's a right way to do that. But guys, or here's a better you know, one: we're not going to teach you how to do it the right way, but yet you have to do these numbers, and then we're going to fire you if you yeah. don't hit these numbers because you're not doing it the right way. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a circular reference that that nobody wins in. So so getting back to. Your story, guys, each one of you has a compelling story. I'm going to go ahead and say this, Bradley. I think a lot of people that get into the insurance business, I think maybe uh, not everybody, but a lot of people get into it. They either back into it almost by accident or they're like me and they've kind of tried something else and failed at it and 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 not done as well in it. And they kind of come to, to insurance almost as a, uh, I don't want to say a last resort, but, you know, they, they see people like you and I being successful in it and they they want to be successful in it as well. And I think a lot of those people have a compelling story to tell and they just have got to use that story and all the people that are going to tell them they can't do it as motivation to turn that into rocket fuel and motivate themselves on a daily basis. And that's the bottom line. And you, you've got to figure out what motivates you what provides yeah. you that rocket fuel. And you've also got to figure out what motivates your, your people. That's right. You know, that's you've right. got, you've hardest, got hardest thing I do is try to figure out what motivates my people. And I'll tell you this, you know, I think, um, a lot of, a lot of baby boomer or older business owners or managers, you know, the baby boomer generation in, in, in the generation under that was it generation X, mm-hmm. uh, is primarily money, money motivated. Right. Whereas the millennials who have came up through the recession and through, you know, this American dream home that's breaking their parents, Mm -hmm. they're not money motivated. They're motivated by prestige Mm -hmm. and awards. Mm -hmm. And and you can look those up. Both of those are those are facts. And so I think, you know, and for me, somebody asked me this the other day. I had a business owner who was surprised at this fact and and, and he actually uh, surveyed his own his own team and, and was like, I've got three millennials in here. They all three said they were motivated by awards. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't mad or anything. He was shocked. And I said, I'll be completely honest with you. For me, money is just 
quarter of an inch ahead of awards and prestige and, and recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason it is is because money is the vehicle that gets me to where I want to be, that gets right. me to my goals. I have some big goals that require a lot of money down the road, and that's the mm-hmm. only reason. But those two are right neck and neck. You know, I love getting recognized. I love I like winning. It's just really, it's not the whole award thing. It's about winning with the millennial mm-hmm. generation, I think. And so I think a lot of people are there, they're, you know, millennials are hearing, or people are hearing, oh, you got to be money motivated, money, money, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. And, and that's really not, you know, you have to do a lot of uh, self-introspection and figure out what, what is it that motivates you. Also, as a manager, you have to figure out, I think a lot of managers out there are motivating their people in the wrong way. You know, I'll tell you this for me. I remember the day that I figured it out. For me, um, I w- it was 11.30 at night. I had recently been denied access to a BNI group. I'm so thankful that happened for several reasons. One, because now I despise a lot of the things that BNI does, but mm-hmm. uh, or the way they do things. But also, I've realized that a lot of the people in some of the groups that I thought were you know, good people, there's a reason they have to go to a networking group once a week and stick by these strict rules to get businesses because they don't know how to get it elsewhere. But I was denied access to a BNI group, and there's one guy on the BNI group that it was three people in the nominating committee, and the guy who had the deciding vote voted against me. He, uh, uh, there was a personal reason he did that versus a business reason. Mm-hmm. And it was 1130 at night, and I thought about that guy, and I went to the office. And I was like, losing is what motivates me. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody, mm-hmm. not re- not necessarily losing so much as someone getting the better of me mm-hmm. makes me want to work harder. So anytime mm-hmm. I'm feeling down, anytime I'm not feeling it, and I'll be honest with you, Scott, today's one of those, I'm not feeling it today, brother. And I mean, or was it? Or was it? And business-wise, today's going to be a really good day for me. I've got three appointments right around the corner from here that are going to generate a lot of revenue for my business and I'm not feeling it today. But right. I think about, okay, what's one of those times someone got the better of me? Right. And that's what I think about. And and so and I think it plays right into what you were talking about, those people telling you those things to give you that rocket fuel. And mm-hmm. and that that's what it is for me. And I sort of stumbled upon it by accident, but uh but it's the truth. Well, I I'll say this and and to your point about not feeling it today, you know what you did though? You you showed up. You showed up. Whether you're feeling it or you're not feeling it, you being on this podcast and you showing up for those appointments and you doing what you need to do and kind of powering through that, that that's dude, that's the <laughs> that's the game right there. I mean, I do it in the gym all the time. I'll, I'll be sitting here at the house like in my mind coming up with 5,000 reasons why I don't need to go to the gym. And, and I end up just being like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going. I'm just going to go and, and, and I'm going to go for 45 minutes to an hour and let the chips fall where they may. And I do that in business sometimes. I'll just, I'm just going to show up. And, and some days that's all you can do because whether it's personal reasons or you don't feel good or you're sick or something's going on with a family member or what, whatever the damn reason is, you've got to just show up. And if you'll show up and power through it, as painful as it may be, as bad as it may be, the the day the next day will be better. Well, it's, we've all got crap. Yeah, we do. You know, everybody's got stuff. Uh, yeah. Every successful person you see, you know, there's probably some days that Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk have not felt like doing a Facebook Live, Absolutely. but did it anyway. It's all in your head. It's you know, not mm-hmm. feeling it is. There's no such thing as not feeling it. 
You know, you can always, if you know what you're doing, you can always muster up the energy to do something. And I think that, uh, you know, I've went through some things, uh, some, 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 I've had some serious stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And the people that work with me and for me had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to separate that. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that is one of the hardest things about being a principal agent or agency owner. Don't care who you're with. Don't care what you're doing. You know, I, I jokingly tell my, my staff, uh, I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm really not joking, but I'm like, you know, it seems like each one of us goes through personal things uh, at different times. And I think we do a pretty decent job in my office of lifting those people up and saying, all right, you're going through this right now. So the rest of us are going to have to, we're going to have to pick up the pace and we're going to have to kind of put, take up your slack a little bit while you're going through this. But it seems like that it's a rotating door of one month. It's one person. The next month, it may be me. The next month, it's somebody else. But, um, you know, and it's tough. It's tough. And, and every agency goes through that. And every agent goes through that, whether it's a, a child getting sick or you getting sick or a divorce or a you know, or whatever, whatever it may be. And, and I'll tell you this, and I, I, I'm, I've heard this from so many agents, both in my office and outside my office. A lot of times you'll hear people say, you know what? I love coming to work because it's the one place that's kind of like a reprieve from all that. You know, I can focus on my job and not have to focus on what I'm going through personally. And I've heard that time and time again. And I, and it's something that, you know, I, I, I try to do, too, when I'm going through something. You know, I, I just try to focus in and, and focus on my work and not think about it to the best, you know, the best I can. Guys, listen, you've got a compelling story. You've got to figure out what motivates you. You've got to use all the haters, all the people that tell you you can't do it, all the people that are trying to stand in your way, all the, you know, and hell, sometimes that's the damn principal agent you're working for. Sometimes they get jealous because you're being more successful than they are. And if that's the case, maybe you need to pack the wagon up and go do something, you know, go, go, go somewhere else. But whoever it is, whatever it is, you've got to use that as rocket fuel to propel you to, to success and not, not let yourself say, oh yeah, they're probably right. I probably don't need to be doing this because if you take on that attitude you are not going to be successful. We, every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a compelling story, in my opinion, in one way or the other. We all have trials. We all have tribulations. You're going to have to get through that, get over that, get around that. But stopping and turning around and going the other way is not an option. So, so my advice would be, if, if you're, if, and, and Bradley, this goes back to our very first podcast we ever did. If you know in your heart, in the, in your soul, that you are you have the right vehicle, right? You're selling the right product. You're doing what the good Lord puts you on this earth to do. Then, then you need to figure out a way to make it work. And I don't give a damn if you're selling home and auto insurance, life insurance, four hundred one k's, commercial insurance, health insurance. I don't give a damn what you're selling. If you know you're selling the right vehicle and you've got the passion. In your in your soul to go out and do it day to day, then you need to get in the right place and you need to burn the ships and you need to use that compelling story and use all the people that tell you you can't do it 
and get your ass out there and go do it. End of story. Guys, I think that is a perfect spot for us to end this uh, this podcast. And again, my name is Scott Howell. I am joined by Mr. Bradley Flowers. This podcast is for agents, by agents. We are the insurance guys. Guys, you need to get out there today. Use that story that we just talked about and go write good business for the companies that you represent Go get your ass out there and sell something and make some money for you and your family and and write good business. And we will see you next time. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk at you soon. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.